Hello, and welcome back to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. In today's episode, we are diving into how personal development can really give you professional results. And this episode is a lot of unpacking beliefs in our industry, beliefs about ourselves. And my guest is sharing some really vulnerable takeaways that he's had throughout his illustrious career in the beauty industry. But first, I want to just do a quick little story time here. So I was going out for a walk a few weeks ago. And where I live, it's been a super dry spring. So everything melted pretty slowly. We haven't gotten any of that typical mud or slush or anything like that. And then it got really hot really quick, which is not usual for where I live. This has led to fires and everything has been pretty brown until we got some rain kind of just after I went for this walk. And the thing that I noticed, though, on this particular day that I wanted to share is that when everything was dry and brown and it didn't look like there was any life anywhere, the trees were still starting to bud. Those leaves still came in. And listen, the reason that came to me was because trees have really deep roots. They have such a strong foundation and such deep reaching capacity that they are able to pull water from deep below the surface so that they're still able to grow and thrive. And this got me thinking about business and how so often we're focusing on the surface level things. We're focusing on the hacks and the next shiny object and whatever it is that we feel like we should be doing and ignoring that deep foundational work. And so this is why I really think it's so important to talk about personal development from a business perspective because at the end of the day, yes, you're a hairstylist, but you're also a human being. And I know this is a theme that we've been reiterating a lot recently on the podcast, but it's really, really important, especially when you are going through times of stress or, you know, if you're feeling like maybe you just want to give up or you're feeling like you're not getting the same level of enjoyment and love out of your career that you once did. That is when it's important to dig deep and really try to figure out what you actually need and whether or not you're just going through a dry phase and you just need to dig a little deeper to get that same nourishment like the tree. So we're wrapping that in. And now I want to tell you a little bit more about my guest who's going to be on the show today. So Chris Sulave is a salon and stylist performance expert who came from a family of hairstylists. He was behind the chair as a hairstylist and salon owner for 22 years, and then he got into education. So Chris is all about helping stylists and salon leaders bring their potential to life. Chris is an author, has worked around the globe, directed and managed education teams for large companies like Kuhn. Today, he is committed to helping salon professionals identify, plan, commit, and execute their personal and professional goals. And this conversation was so inspiring for me, and I'm sure that it will be for you as well. So let's get ready and dive into today's episode with Chris Sulame. You're listening to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. 
Here, we talk about creating a career you love. We go deep into mindset, marketing, business, and life as a hairstylist. I'm your host, Jody Brown, a hairstylist veteran turned branding and marketing mentor for ambitious, inspired beauty pros like you. On this podcast, we share the real stories of leaders within the beauty industry and actionable trainings that leave you with the tools and guidance that will inspire you to build your best life as a hairstylist. From branding, business, and marketing to mindset, life, and finding fulfillment, no topic is off limits here. Get ready to be educated and inspired. This is the Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Today's topic is one that I am so, so passionate about, and I have an incredible guest joining me to talk about personal development and how it impacts your professional results. So we all know that business is personal in this industry, and so how we feel, how we operate as humans is going to directly impact the way we are as beauty industry entrepreneurs. Thank you so much, Chris, for joining me for this discussion. I know you are super qualified to talk on this topic. So if you just want to introduce yourself to my listeners and tell us a little bit about your story in the hair industry. I will. and I'll, But I want to quickly say, Jody, I'm just as thrilled to be here. And, you know, I've been following you and watching your business journey. So the fact that people are here listening to you more than me, I think they're <laughs> in the right place. And, you know, I hang on every word that you say as well. When, you know, in those professional environments and, and have watched you develop personally. That said, you know, the, the short and sweet is I was born into the hair industry. My parents met in the 50s in cosmetology school. I knew at 13 or 14 years old I was going to be a hairstylist. My last wrestling match when I got beat in high <laughs> in the state tournament and, you know, in the second round. My wrestling coach was over there and he was doing this with his fingers, you know, making scissor imprints because he knew exactly what I was going to be doing literally within a few months. So, you know, I kind of rolled into the industry. Many of my brothers, sisters, cousins, uncles, nephews and nieces are all in, all in the industry. That said, my journey was, you know, pretty basic. I, my brother was really my idol. He's a great hairstylist in Pennsylvania, still is. And I wanted to be just like him. I went to work into his salon. You know, he used to call me the ass assistant in his salon. Uh, hopefully <laughs> your owners are not treating you like that unless you work for a family member. And oh, my brother kind of, certainly would. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I love I loved it, which was very fortunate, you know, because I was in a family business that I kind of got, you know, it was an option and I fell in love with it and became a hairstylist, became a you know, for the first few years, like anybody, I think found the journey difficult, Yeah. then became prosperous, then had that same kind of rinse and repeat as a salon owner. First few years, you know, had a lot of fun, but didn't necessarily make a lot of profit. Right. Then, you know, through my love of education and just learning things and loving to network with people. You know, we we were at, we ended up being able to make that salon profitable. By the way, it was a family business. My sisters worked there with us and we grew up, you know, a big staff and we had a ton of fun. And I loved being a salon owner until I did it. Right. You know, at some point I got introduced to education and speaking. And I still don't know why that was successful, because when I hear myself talk, it's like, shut up. <laughs> but but they kept sending me different places all over the world. And I went. 
And, uh, you know, eventually I came home and kind of realized home for me was on the road. And that's still something that I struggle with today because, you know, I find that the way I've operated business through the years now, it's like I have to be out of town to be working. Right. And, uh, and that, you know, that, that is what it is. It comes along with education, but, you know, ended up, you know, leaving that salon, you know, in Tampa, Florida, meaning selling that building and, you know, going in education full time. And I guess, I, like I said, I'll try not to stretch the story. There's just a lot of chapters because I'm old, not because it's anything <laughs> special I did. And then I went into corporate, you know, the corporate side. So I was a freelance educator. I went and became a technical and academy director at Kuhn Hair Cosmetics. And that was where I got to see a picture of another side of the industry running a pretty large education team. I ended up, you know, moving on from there because I wanted to see a little bit more. I I worked at Living Proof Hair Care as the U.S. and Canada education manager. So my territory was up. I I actually used to visit up where you live. You came Um, to the frozen north. (laughs) Yeah, I came to the frozen tundra. And so that, you know, so, so that was the thing I, I now have moved into, you know, because of social media and what has happened, people, the demand for video content, obviously has escalated through the years. And just out of sheer needing to do it, I started making videos. And as a, as a 50 year old guy, I found that I've fallen in love with creating video content, just like I did hair when I was young. So I'm kind of entering a new chapter. So I'm, I'm in the newbie phase. I'm not super successful yet. I'm growing and getting there. But, uh, you know, it feels like, a, feels like a second lifetime. Oh, I love that. And I think I'm so glad you said that because I think there's so often we can look at the downsides of the evolution of the industry, right? And like, you know, there's all this stuff expected of, of stylists and salon owners, which is true. But I love that you said that you've kind of fallen in love with that video thing because that's, that's a pretty polarizing topic. And when I look at it, I'm very similar to you in the sense that like I look at it as just another creative outlet when it comes to creating content, which is why like there's kind of some parallels. The reason that I got into what I'm doing now is because behind the chair, I realized I'd fallen more in love with like the marketing and the creation side than what I was doing at the moment. So I love that you shared that. And I have a couple questions from listening to your story. The first one that pops out at me is you've had a pretty illustrious career. Like there's so many things that you've done. What's there looking back a lot of intention behind each shift? Or do you feel like things kind of evolved naturally? Like what was that like when you were making these these changes along the way? Yeah, I mean, those were natural evolutions. And I guess what I'll say is, you know, many times they came out of mistakes that I was making. You know, I've never been super patient in, well, I wasn't until now. Now I feel actually like I've adopted some patience, probably just through, you know, getting beat with a stick for all these years and like, you know, realizing that, yeah, like, like being impatient sometimes is a problem, you know, and and, and you'll get (laughs) smacked down for it. There are some moves I made looking back that I wish I hadn't done. Maybe now I'm fine with it, but there were, there were years where I regretted, you know, different moves I had made. and you know, not knowing what I had sometimes. I mean, we, we had, we had a bustling Mm. salon. We had a, we had a profitable and it it was never enough for me. I, I, I mean, I, I'm able to admit that openly now. And, you know, sometimes when I'm talking about gratitude now with people, 
I'm almost saying to myself, like, don't you wish you would have been grateful for what you have right in front of you mm -hmm. in this moment? The life of a hairstylist is a wonderful life. Mm -hmm. You get to be with people. You are in a social environment. You're challenged mentally. You get to learn. And you're getting a master's degree in communications right now with all the different types of people that are sitting in your chair. And the problem that we face is it's very difficult to quantify that until right. you get a few years under your belt. And then you talk with other people who maybe have been stuck in a cubicle or perhaps, you know, they're a trade worker or whatever it is. And you realize like they're not able to communicate at a level that you can easily communicate at. You're able to problem solve. You're able to multitask. And, you know, I don't think we put value on this shit as a society, <laughs> you know, so like we don't put we don't know how to value that yet. And I think that is where a lot of this self-worth conversation comes up with people. It's just because we don't know how to quantify and qualify the skills that you're actually building just through interactions and and your own, you know, technical skill building through the through the years. So I don't know if I answered your question there. I just I just I really like want to cheerlead for people that love being behind the chair. When I loved yeah. being behind the chair, it was the only thing. Yeah. That was it. And so if you can really see what you have there and go to work every day that you yeah. show up to work with that like gratitude and like that, you know, resilience and ambition and desire to make people look and feel better, you're going to have a crazy amount of success that yeah. most people are unable to have in sal salary positions in the corporate world. And the, the only the problem is, is we get told because, you know, it's a trade that, that for whatever reason, it's a lesser thing. Yeah, and I just it's just so not true. No, you're right. And, you know, what came up for me when you were saying that, which I've never actually thought of before is like, it, is it part of because I think, you know, when we get into the industry, we we kind of have the quote unquote success path laid out. Right. And this is less true now than when probably you or I got behind the chair. But sure. it certainly changed. Yeah, absolutely. And it was kind of like, OK, you if you were going to be successful in this industry, here is what you did. You started in a salon. You worked your way up. You got a full clientele. Then you opened your own salon. And then like, you know, that was how you, quote unquote, made it. And I've never thought of it like this before until this conversation. But I do wonder if part of that is like a desire to be taken seriously, because we've somehow decided that like being a stylist, which I strongly disagree with, like isn't enough, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that is part of why that narrative continued for so long, if it was a self-worth thing. Yeah, there's a huge part of that. And I mean, it was... For a very long time, it really was enough for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's just we're wired as human beings to want to grow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and kind of contribute. And so, like, because of that, it, it's natural. It's natural to want to move, move to the next phase in your career. Right. right. Like, that part's natural. Yeah. But the part where you're in that place and you're going, I'm not enough, mm -hmm. that's the part we want to cancel out. Yeah, because it's OK to say like, like, Jody, like what you're doing, what you're doing, you know, is super cool from the outsider's perspective. I mean, I think yeah. it's one of the reasons why your audience is growing. They're going, wait a minute. She found another avenue yeah. inside of the industry and is still very relevant. Yeah. And, you know, you're still very much a part of the industry. And so if you're ambitious and you've been behind the chair for 10 years and you and you go, I want to try that, too. 
that's cool. When you've been behind the chair 10 years and you're making great money and taking yeah. care of your family and, you know, have dollars in your pocket. No, yeah. no professional out there has dollars in their pocket. They're using a debit <laughs> card. That's what I yeah. use nowadays. A debit <laughs> card. Nobody's stuffing dollars in my pocket anymore. <laughs> when you're a hairdresser, like you got cash in your pocket. You got, you got value. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can do what you want. <laughs> like, that's the part I don't want people to forget. You know, you're not. So anyway, I could, we, we, we've all heard the rant. Yeah. I just want to. I just want to say now that I've had different jobs, I've had offices and I've had, you know, my territory right. was U.S. and Canada. I mean, I, you know, I was able to jump on a plane anytime I wanted and go basically wherever I wanted in the continental United States, yeah. if there was obviously a business purpose. And I never felt as successful in those positions as I did when I had a high powered clientele, yeah. not even close. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point. And honestly, like I, I'm with you, like I, absolutely loved my clientele. And I think when it comes to pivoting, at least for me, it was like the purpose that I, because I, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but like I had an epiphany moment in a class like two weeks before. And, and it was basically because people were struggling, like all of these stylists were struggling with the thing that I was like obsessed with and in love with. And so, you know, when whatever happened in 2020 happened, we're not going to mm -hmm, talk mm -hmm. about it specifically, but basically yeah, yeah. I was like, you know what, here's an opportunity for me to, for me to make a difference in an industry that I love. And so that was kind of my purpose. And I think that that, if you are looking to pivot behind the chair, because I, I work with a lot of stylists and, and educators or stylists who are wanting to become educators. And I think mm -hmm. like that purpose piece is really, really strong. So mm -hmm. sometimes it is because they don't want to be behind the chair as much, which is fine. But like the the success that you see from people who are in other industries, like know that it's it's going to be just as much work <laughs> to get yeah. to a phase where you're successful in any industry as it was to do hairs. And the maybe less rewarding. Absolutely. Well, and that's the thing that I struggled with, honestly. And and I think that entrepreneurship is essentially the ultimate personal development test, because when you're behind the chair you are seeing the real-time impact, right? So you are with a client, you are making them feel amazing. You're getting that, you know, in, I guess, instant gratification of them feeling great, thanking you, moving on. Like, it's a very instantaneous thing. When you're in this space specifically, there were months and months and months and months that I was, you know, working without getting paid, without getting any like pat on the backs or thank yous sure. or anything like that. And it's yeah. hard. It's because you yeah. really have to learn how to like self, not congratulate, Stuff. but you know what I mean? Like you need to like yeah. find it within yourself. And so yeah. I think if you can dive into that while you are behind the chair and you can start to really develop that strength that you need, it's going to open up a ton of doors no matter where you decide to go in your career. Um, mm -hmm. Because that personal development, I think, is is a skill that often we develop when things are hard, right? Or when there's adversity. <laughs> yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, we can all look back, you know, I look back and it's, I will admit, sometimes it's hard to remember because it was, you know, I, I got my license in 1992 you know, it was growing a clientele actively in 92 and 93, right? And then, you know, 
Um, but I can I can reflect on some of those beginning days and just remember like sitting in the back room for an entire day yes. <laughs> with my like in high school with my face like planted on the desk and having, <laughs> you know, the sleeping dot like, you know, and, and hopefully you're not doing being as lazy as I was when I was a kid because I was. But, uh, you know, so if like if you remember that. Every venture that, you know, you've you've heard all the the they come up with cliches and sayings because they're true. Somebody totally. went through it. They had some wisdom. Not that you can't break through it. Not that you can't shorten the timeline. Not that you can't innovate. Yes, all that's available. But there's some natural truths to like, hey, it might take you six months till you start to see a real, you know, compounded interest on your repeat clientele. Yeah. You know, it might take you three months before you start to see a real compounded interest on your referrals. Yeah. You know, like, because you're just learning how to skill build and client build at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, when you enter a, a, a next phase of your career, your challenges change. Yeah. Here's a good example is the pricing conversation, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, here I am lower priced because I just started, whatever that means. Yeah. And now I've come up to the point where my demand is so high that I must change my pricing or else I'm going to have a stroke. Right. right. <laughs> and so when you change your pricing enough, you open yourself up to a new demographic of people. Right. A new type of spender will come to you because you probably with your hair and I see your, you know, I, I'm looking at you. Yeah. Right. And judging, of course. Right. That's what we do. Like, right. You probably won't go to unless they were just your best friend or your little sister or something. The least expensive person in the salon you probably <laughs> yeah. value a the higher priced person in the salon. Right. Yeah. So I, as a growing young hairstylist, could never attract you. If I'm too low in price. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. Now, when I when I level up, well, just as I, I go to the next phase and and I'm ready for that to change demographics through pricing, yep. I now have to be something new. So I'm new again. So there's basically four phases. And, you know, if you think about the development of anything, right. it's like phase one, you're new. Phase two, you start to great, gain traction. Phase three, you're in flow. You, you're good yep. at the thing finally. Right. You've arrived. Mm -hmm. And then. If you do that long enough, you're going to start to ask yourself what's next mm -hmm. or there's going to be a next new phase that comes. And it's not you don't get there and arrive. You get there and you go, what's next? Yep. So you don't get there and sit on your couch. Right. And that's where people have burnout as they go. Well, wasn't the whole point for me to be busy? And yeah. I'm saying, well, yeah, but now you have to raise your prices so you can be exposed to a different demographic of person and you can increase your income on the same amount of people. Yeah. Well, that's a personal development skill. You've earned the right, I hate that term, but you you've earned the right through your client development. Yeah. But you're still too afraid to develop as a person to have harder conversations or more sophisticated conversations. Yeah. at your chair with people that are going to expect you to be more. That's such a great way of putting it. And I think like for anyone listening, you've probably experienced this exact same thing and you're just now putting a label on it. 
(laughs) because Mm -hmm. I think that it's natural. So let me ask you this then, Chris, what is your advice? So for someone who's listening, who is behind the chair, who is, you know, at that stage where they're kind of like in flow and they are like loving their career, but they're starting to get that what's next feeling. Where do you go from there? Like for you, like what's what does that look like? How do you analyze? Yeah, <laughs> well, obviously there's a million answers for that, right? Because there's there's a there's ever the answer is different for everybody. Everybody hates to hear that as an answer, but it is, <laughs> uh, you know, but you want to start to ask yourself better questions around what do I want? So here's the other thing that's interesting is and I don't know if I'm right about this, like I'm I'm, I'm just always watching and listening yeah. and, uh, you know, re- evaluating. afterwards. Wow. That person, you know, they look like they were feeling like this. What is it? Are they stuck? Are they bored? Are they lying to themselves? You know, are they just too afraid to make a move? So you'll hear people say, you got to get clear about what you want. It sounds Mm -hmm. really cliche, but you got to get clear about what you want. Like, what Mm -hmm. do you, what do you really want to do? So for some people it might just be, and there, there have been I countless times where I've talked to somebody where they just needed to raise their price. Right. Like that was literally the answer for them. I'm going to give you an example of a person. There's a woman who is a fantastic hairstylist in Franklin, Tennessee. Her name is Patience. And I'm calling her out just because she's so amazing and fantastic. (laughs) She works at Jewel Salon. But I was in their salon multiple times, but on the last time I was in there, she had a breakthrough around pricing. Now, this is a woman who is more than in demand, right? more than worth her money, not just in personal self-value. We're all worth right. it there, yeah. but like in actual KPI numbers to back it up. Right. And for, I'll say years, and I think she would, I know she would agree with me, you know, it was like, but if I raise my prices to that, this will happen. You know, will they all leave? We can't do that here. You know, all the things that you say. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, I won't tell you exactly because it's not my job to spout her numbers. But right. what I will say is she created a package deal. Yeah. And I'll call it the patience package where you got <laughs> to spend time alone with her for like a good portion of the day. Mm-hmm. and. She put a very high premium on just being able to book the visit right? on top of the hair services. So in order for you to book this visit, you're going to pay a premium. Right. That's nothing to do with the services. You're paying for my time. Mm-hmm. Then now you're going to get my, you're going to pay for whatever we did. Right. Now, I don't think every person is at the place where they could do that, but she right. was. Yeah. And. You know, we've, of course, messaged and kept in touch since. And like she has just been transformed because I think. Now I'm just going to like speculate. Yeah. You know, I think it gave her the approval like I was worth it this whole time. Yeah. You know, and so for her, that would have been enough. Somebody else might have the calling to be an educator. Somebody else might have the knack and interest that you have, which is, you know, being able to identify online trends and help people to grow their branding and, you know, coach them through that process. Like, you know, that was a skill that was inside of you. So that was your next step. You know, so you might want to you might really 
really want to be a salon owner and be wired for it, you know, not just because you don't want people to tell you what to do, but because you actually are a business owner, you know, and those are, but you, you do have to like be in, I think we talk, we, in this household, we talk about truth telling a lot and it's, you know, it's one of those things that even the smallest of lies that you tell, you eventually have to defend those statements. Yeah, that's true. And if you if you don't defend them, then you have to come clean that, hey, I lied. Yeah. And so if you say to yourself, well, I never wanted to do that, or that's just for this type of person, or mm-hmm. well, then then now you have to defend that truth. So I say, you know, you got to learn to get clear about what you want. And then from there, you look back at the four phases, like right now in my video career. I mean, you know, I'm getting pretty good. I'm not going to yeah, lie. You are getting good. I've seen it. <laughs> but, but I'm also new and I'm cool. I'm, I'm cool right. to know that I'm new. So if I make a big error, I know what phase I'm in. Right. You know, I know where I'm at. It's not because I'm a jerk. It's not because yeah. I shouldn't do this. It's because, mm-hmm. hey, I'm learning stuff. Yeah. So if you can re-identify that throughout your process, you might be a new salon owner and yeah. you're making some mistakes right now. Hey, you're new. Yeah. Learn from the mistakes, evaluate the mistakes, take a look at the next skills you need to add to your repertoire and then take action every day towards that. Yes. And I, I do think that right now we're in a phase in our industry where there's more help available and there's more support available than there was there has ever been right people are so much more willing to share their knowledge and so i think we're kind of uniquely able at this point in our in our society and in our in our industry to seek out assistance in those areas that maybe we're feeling weak in or you know and it doesn't mean anything about who you are as a person it just means like i haven't developed this skill yet so let me go ahead and do that and I talk about yeah. that a lot here on the podcast. Like, it's not always about the next shiny object. Sometimes it's just about developing the skill to actually be able to do and understand what you're trying to do, especially now, like in the hair industry. And I love that you said, too, when I asked that question, I just want to point out and kind of underscore and highlight that not every possible growth path involves veering away from what you're doing right now. Sometimes it's just an evolution of, you know, maybe it's your schedule needs to change. Like I've had conversations before with stylists who are like, I just want to do something else because I I just want more time with my family. But it's like, but what actually needs to happen to have more time with your family? Because, you know, increasing your prices and reducing your time behind the chair and, and taking more time off would serve the goal, right? So yeah, I think it's very important, like you said, to get clear on what you want. And sometimes that's professionally and sometimes it's personally and then developing what you're doing professionally to support that goal because not every goal needs to be work related. <laughs> yeah. And you just, yeah. Amen to that. And you, in fact, the more less work, the the less, the more it's great to have lots of work goals. So keep those, but for sure, the more outside goals that you have, I have found the more insightful I am in my work, the more creative I am in my work. You know, when I'm having fun, general, generally speaking, like I'm better at things. Yeah. When I'm not having fun, 
it's hard. And I could point to two times in my career, like just thinking about it right now, like having lots of fun behind the chair, having five clients going at once, high-fiving in the back room, having a great (laughs) time, right? And then, you know, going through a period where for some reason enough wasn't enough for me. Enough has never been enough for me. Like, I Mm -hmm. mean, I I don't know. I wish I wasn't, but like I was born where I know exactly what I want. I just want more. Like that, I don't know. I, it's just like something that I'm always trying to tame, <laughs> but, but so when enough wasn't enough and I, and I needed to be more, I remember going into a period, you know, where I worked harder than I ever worked. I don't even know if it was about the money. I might, I might've been making fine money, but I was more miserable than I had ever been. Yeah. And it was like, where did the fun go? And I remember one day a business partner that we used to have, we were sitting in the back room. His name was Daniel. And he was like, dude, don't you remember when this just used to be fun? Right. And I was like, yeah, I, I do. I don't know how to get back to it at that time. Right. And, and now I've realized it. it's like that work. It's that balance. It's that understanding that not all goals are work goals. But quick story on what you just said. I recently had a kind of a coaching call or just a, just a consultation call, if you will, with somebody who is a. She's an educator in a very esteemed group. I'll say it mm-hmm. like that. Okay. It doesn't matter which group. She is young and she got there fast. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, checking all the boxes, everything from a social media presence to, you know, the right education team and growing inside right. of that group to, you know, she's doing all the things and she's only three years in her career. Right. And she was like, you know, so we called because her owner suggested that we talk and, and we knew each other. So we did. And, uh, you know, she told me I've done this. I've done that. I've done this. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Like you made the team. You did. You're on the team. But would you say that group, they, they have quite a few educators. Would you say that group considers you a leader on the team? <laughs> said, well, not yet. And I said, well, you got to understand, like. You're mistaking getting on the team for the whole goal. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. That's not the goal. The goal is how much impact did you make while you were there? Yeah. And I was like, girl, you're just getting started. Yeah. You're just getting started. Sometimes we forget to replace our goals with the next thing. Oh, that's so so true. (laughs) Now you get hooked on like, well, I made my, you know, and it's like, I mean, if you talk to anybody that's a a large influencer, you know, I mean, I happen to be in, I, I, I've met Jacob Kahn a few times and, oh. and we would recognize each other by face, but I won't claim to be a best friend or anything like that. Right. But I happen to be in a convert, a group conversation with him on the day that he got 20,000 followers on his Instagram page. Mm-hmm. It's years later, he's got something like a half a million people following his page. Right. He was pumped that day he was really excited and he was telling other people not me i just happened to be standing there yeah but what if that was his goal that twenty thousand was his goal was never the amount like yeah you know through through those conversations and we interviewed him on our podcast yeah. you know his goal is just to teach yeah. and like make people laugh and be inspirational mm-hmm. so the the goal was just to keep doing that yeah you know and because of that he attracted people. And in I essence, that. that's what, you know, hairstylists do. That's what leaders do. Mm-hmm. You know, if your goal is like sometimes salon owners will get in this thing where they want people to do what they tell them. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, that was never really the goal. The goal, was, the goal was supposed to be to help, you know, number one, you're a big part of your community, local. Yeah. Number two, um, the goal of a salon owner really is to grow people's careers inside of their building. So you have to yeah. keep growing your organization to keep helping people level up. Yeah. And, and so, growing yeah. yourself too, right? Like that's and a never ending. As a leader, totally. <laughs> yeah. I think that's honestly like looking back and I'll be totally honest. I think that's one of the biggest things that I struggled with was like getting to a goal and being like, first of all, like, you know that how you think that when you have a goal, it's going to feel like getting to the top of the mountain and then yeah. it's just coasting. And and yeah. I realized quickly that is not, <laughs> that's not what it yeah. feels like at all. And so I think for me, like I, you know, I've really tried to learn how to A, celebrate and then B, enjoy the journey more because I think the more goals you hit and then realizing, okay, that's actually not the top of the mountain, the more you're like, okay, what is it? Like, that's where I think you learn the importance of of the journey and like going through it and what it, what it feels like along the way. Because I am very much a goal-oriented person. Like I that is how I'm wired. And, but I do think sometimes like, I don't want to get to like, you know, the end of my life and be like, well, I checked off a bunch of goals and I don't really remember enjoying any of it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I think it's like yeah. balancing those two things. Yeah. Before my mom died, what, you know, we were, we were having these great conversations because she was, you know, nearing the end of life. It was a long journey. We all knew it was coming. And so all of us, I mean, she was an amazing woman. She gave all of us time to, right. you know, talk and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, one of the, I asked her many things through in, in those weeks, but one of the, you know, was just like, what are some of your regrets? Do you have any regrets? And she said, I don't have any regrets, but I wish I would have cleaned less. Oh, now I love she had that. Seven, yeah, she had seven <laughs> children. She was always cleaning. She was always <laughs> cooking. She was even when she was a working mom, you know, she, she and and but like, I wish I would have cleaned less. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. Like you look back and you go, was it, was it worth that trudgery? So it's like, that. if you can find, I mean, what I'm trying to do right now, and this is a daily try, it's mm-hmm. not a, you know, I don't always, is like, enjoy the work. Right. Like the work that you get to do is the reward. Mm-hmm. The money is, you know, we have to have that standard yeah. of living, quality of life. Like if you can feel rewarded for the fact that you and I get to have this conversation mm-hmm. right now on your own time, yeah. on your podcast and go like, that was cool. We talked and, you know, hopefully I said something decent, but, but <laughs> you know, that, that you got to enjoy your work and I got to enjoy. That's it. Yeah. But yeah. That's so true. And that just goes to show the power of purpose. And I think this applies behind the chair so much, like the ripple effect, right? It, it, like you're making someone's day, they're going to go on to make other people's days. And like, I think you're right when, when we talk about just like, and again, goals are important. Don't want to like, you You got to have them. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. But like, it's interesting that you say that Chris, because in the past like year, I would say I've kind of shifted my measure of what success feels like. And now to me, success is like, if I'm working with like a client or I'm consulting and then that person gets a win, I get more joy out of that than mm-hmm. my own like, you know, benchmarks and numbers mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. So being able to shift that, I remember hearing in the past like week on a podcast or something, 
that there was this author who wanted to make or the New York Times bestsellers or whatever. That was like one of her goals. Mm-hmm. But she didn't make it until the fourth one. And so someone asked her in an interview, like, how did you get through the first three books? Like, how did you keep going mm-hmm. through the first three books? Because writing a book is a lot of work oh, um, yeah. to get to that point where you wrote that New York Times bestseller. And she said, like, early on, I thought, yeah, what I wanted was to hit that list. But what I actually shifted to when I was writing my first book is my only goal with writing this book is to be able to write the next book. That's it. So, like, that I think is such a a shift. And, like, you know, thinking about purpose outside of benchmarks and numbers, like, don't scrap those. But, like, Mm -hmm. think, dig a little deeper, I think, and it'll make you enjoy your career and your life more. It reminds me exactly of a Walt Disney quote where he says, we don't make more money. No, we don't make movies so we can make money. We make more money so we can make more movies. Yes. Oh, I love that. Same thing, right? It's like, you know, (laughs) coming from somebody that you couldn't have given anything to. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I'll like shout my friends out, you know, I, I, for three years, I worked up in Atlanta with Salon 124 groups and that's where I started the video. And I was there for a purpose and we knew it would be relatively temporary. So three years was, was, you know, as short as, and long story short, you know, they didn't want for anything there. They, that was a group of large, you know, a large group of successful people. And, you know, the, they'd been in business 30 years. They're, you know, 10, $12 million a year in annual revenue. They're, they're, they're fine. You know what I mean? But like the owner of that organization, his name's Brian, you know, I would see him day in and day out, like show up at the office. And one day we were podcasting, John and I were podcasting Mm -hmm. and he built us this studio and we're we're looking outside the window and it's eight or eight 30 in the morning, whatever time it was. And Brian was sweeping the steps at one of the locations, they had six locations, but he was sweeping the steps off. Now, he did not need to be there sweeping right. the steps. And it happened. We were just sitting there staring, going, look at, <laughs> look at him. Yeah. Like he's out there just sweeping the steps. <laughs> and it's like, this guy loves what he does. He loves yeah. the people in his organization. He lo- And like, no, there was nothing. I mean, when I say he has it all, believe me, he has it yeah. all. There was nothing you could give this guy. But he goes to work every day simply because he has fun there. Oh, I love that. You know, so yeah, yeah you're right. It is, it, you, you have to be in love with what you're, you have to at least feel that what you're doing is worthwhile. Yeah, the do. purpose. Yeah. Not, and not every day. Like, I think it's like, you know that quote, I've always kind of taken issue with this, but like find something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. No, I don't think that's work. true. Yeah, I, yeah. there's a lot of days, like I love what I'm doing now more than, anything like I loved being behind the chair but it's Mm -hmm. certainly work so like Mm -hmm. you know I don't think that the honeymoon period being over and I think it goes in like ebbs and flows um it doesn't necessarily mean that what you're doing isn't right for you anymore it just means that like you can't be at top 100 level inspiration all the time like it's just not gonna happen no matter what you do yeah and if you're seeing that it's not real you know what I mean like that Mm -hmm. part you know, I have a love hate with how available, you know, access is to each other because, right. you know, I mean, there are times where you find out, wow, this person was depressed or this mm-hmm. actor killed themselves yeah. or, 
And it's like, they were there for the whole world to see. Why did we miss that? Yeah. And it's like, because we've gotten used to positioning it as every day is supposed to be fireworks. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just not. I mean, yeah. that's all. It's no, you know, no rant yeah. about it. It's just not, you know, <laughs> totally. some days are just days, you know, yeah. <laughs> and that's cool. You know? Yeah, that's cool. Totally. Um, I love that. There was, yeah. mm, there was one thing I wanted to ask you about that I, I think is really interesting. So going back to your story a little bit and your journey in the industry. So when you decided to step into like entrepreneurship and totally away from the corporate world. What? Because that's like a pretty major shift. Like, and I know that a lot of the other shifts that you made in your career you shared were kind of like evolutions and natural. Mm -hmm. That to me feels like a little bit different. Would you would you agree that that was kind of like a different kind of shift? Well, interestingly enough, I kind of, you know, had amnesia for a minute. So, you know, I sort of forgot that I was a salon owner for 18 years. Right. And, you know, <laughs> through those years, you know, employed, you know, I'll say hundreds of hairstylists, you know, with right. between my brother and, you know, my salon and then my sisters mm -hmm. were involved. So, so I was, I was used to being the boss. Right. You know, and when I got those corporate titles, I think somehow I had, I knew I didn't want to own a salon anymore. Mm -hmm. I was actually quite happy as a freelance educator. So to say I regret like taking the corporate position. I could debate that a little bit, you know, there, it, right. it opened doors, but you know, and all of my friends know this, my friends that, you know, like I'm not a corporate person. <laughs> so, you know, I felt very much like a caged animal in that environment. Right. And what you find, this is kind of funny. Like as an educator, everybody wants to hear what you have to say. Well, as mm -hmm. soon as you're the director, nobody wants to hear what you have to say, right? So <laughs> I went from like being one of the most liked people that I knew yeah. to being like one of the most disliked people that I knew. And uh, especially when you're dealing with distributors and you're dealing with salespeople, you know, everybody has their yeah. process and expectation of what they want from you. Yeah. Right. To where when you're an educator, you know, once the, you know, once the curtain opens, you have the freedom and flexibility to say whatever you want. Totally. You know? Hopefully it's good enough that you get an invite back. So there's, yeah. you're balancing that. But as long as you're adding value, it doesn't matter. Now to say, now to talk about coming back to entrepreneurship. At this stage in my life, I went through a period, I guess I, I'd, I'd like to talk about this. I never felt, I felt like a failure as a corporate employee. And the reason why was because I had lived all those years as my own boss. Right. And so I, I even though logically it makes no sense at all, I was not mm -hmm. able to get over those feelings. Yeah. And towards the end of that ride, I would say, you know, this is my later 40s. I probably went through the worst internal rut that I'd ever had where mm -hmm. I literally was, you know, deeply unhappy. Right. And so I had a lot of questions about what I was going to do. And there was even a feeling of, I don't even want to be here, right. you know, like that type of a thing. So yeah. I think it's important that I say that because, you know, I, I do know that salon ownership, but, and business in general is a ride. Um, not only are things not always perfect, but you're not always doing well. And I, 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 at the time I didn't really, you know, I have a lot of brothers and sisters, so I could, 
I could hint to them what was going on in my brain, but you know, I'm not the greatest at opening up in one-on-one conversations. For some reason on podcasts right. and in front of groups, I have no yeah. problem. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I love okay, that. So now to say all that. <laughs> now to now to like kind of circle it back up. Stepping back into this role, it's like I feel like my old self again. You know, I feel like a 21-year-old again. Like, wow. And and I will tell you this, like total side note. You know, I'll be 50 in a few months. So, you know, I mean, I'm closer to 50 than I am to 40. Right. Uh, take care of yourself. Like, you're young at 50, but I know people mm-hmm. that are not only old, but in trouble at 50. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, like, I'm looking at this like, I, I'm, I got another 30 years ahead of me where I'm going to be working, working hard and working fun. Yeah. And so, you know, stepping into an entrepreneurship role, again, you know, nobody thinks the idea is good in the beginning, you know. I I'd say to somebody who wants to get into something outside of behind the chair, you're leaving yeah. the salon, that's where your experience was is like find a paying client. Like when I when I got my first video client to pay me, mm-hmm. I did some free things up front cuz I wasn't sure if it was any good. Mm-hmm. And then once somebody was like, "I would pay you for that." I was like, Holy shit, it's on. You know? And <laughs> right. then and then like now learn the skills. How how do you create an invoice? How do you this and that? But I, I like entrepreneurship. I think there's something very different from being a solopreneur than having a team. Right. And I'm looking forward to growing a team again. I was I I always felt very fulfilled helping people grow. And, you know, yeah. so I, I love having a team that I can mentor through the process and are even going to be better. You know, I know I know I'm going to eventually hire some kid. I'm yeah. just calling it that because, you know, like they're going to be 20 years younger than me mm-hmm. and they're going to have more video editing skills than I have. You know, they're going to have more in their pinky than I have in my whole body. <laughs> but I need that person. And you know what I mean? And I need yeah. I need to like what a business is. is a business is a service that's offered to the world that has different key players that keep that thing operating and serving people. Yeah. You know, the hair industry, I mean, I know we've talked about a lot of industries and growth and all of those things, but like, I do still believe that by and large, the beauty industry is the best industry in the world. I think there's so much opportunity, so much, and especially now, like so much community and support. And I truly love it. I really do. I mean, the the education that you get from from being with people is you're becoming a worldly person. Yeah. And don't forget that in your growth path, because when you do get, look, if you're in a rut, you have choices. Yeah. You have cho- You can go into any other. I listen, this is one of my, you know, kind of like funny things that I and I don't like to say this too often, but like I've never I filled out a resume one time at Living Proof after I already had the job. So I already had the offer formalized. They were like, look, we just have to have a resume. I was like, now I was being given a high paid corporate job, right? You know, everybody else, I just said, look, I'm a nice guy. I mean, you know, you're going to, I can connect with anybody. Like, and, and that was, you know, it's, it's been an advantage luckily, because I'm not intellectually, I'm, you know, you know, I'm not a test taker. I'll say it like that. I think I'm a smart guy, but I'm not a test taker. So. 
you know, I would have been at a, I'm at a way disadvantage if you, if you need book smarts. Right. You know, but I've still, you know, I mean, even at that, I, I knew actually some of the competition I was up against there and they were way smarter than me. There's no doubt right. about it. I mean, I was underqualified for the job, right. but, but was able to work with people yeah. and that's from doing hair. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. And I love that. Like it's, and I'm like you, I don't even remember the last time I had a resume. <laughs> right. But yeah, I think it's like one of those things where you take the things that you know for granted. And that is honestly the whole basis of my career pivot was taking what I knew for granted, assuming everyone knew what I knew, yeah, realizing they didn't like enter the gap and doing what I'm doing now. But I had never considered for a second that any of those things before that point were a skill. And so yeah. I think you're right when you say like we discount the on the job learning that we yeah. have in this industry and it can serve you forever. Like it can serve you in so many different ways if you kind of hone in on that. Well, I, I don't know if you do any commercial things on here or not, but so I'm going to give you a testimonial just because I, you know, I said it in the beginning and I really mean it. I just want people to hear it like. Your skill set is the thing that everybody asks about. Every person, you know, if you if I call a distributorship right now, let's say Salon Service Group, and say, you know they're the largest independently owned distributorship in North America, yeah. and I say, what do your people want classes on? Mm -hmm. They want social media classes. Yeah. Now you do much more than that. You're much yeah. you're much more than that thing. But why do you think they want that? It's like the highest demand thing, and right. we and. It even took you time to recognize it that did. that yeah. skill set was a sellable, sellable and marketable skill. Yeah. The other thing I want to say is I've seen what you've done with other people's pages. Yeah. I've also had a paid consultation with you. And so if you're sitting here, you're listening to Jody's podcast week in and week out, and you haven't given her a call to see how she can help you, <laughs> you do that because you're so easy to work with. You're not just a friendly face on the podcast and on your social media channels, but you're, you know, highly insightful, very easy to talk to. And, you know, you, you gave, I mean, you know, the, the advice or input that you gave me, the feedback, I took that to the product company that I was working with, you know, yeah. on those videos. And I mean, it was exactly what, it was the exact tweaks I needed. Oh, so that's amazing. You know, if you're wondering, should I work with Jody or should I reach out or you're afraid to, you know, she's in, Edmonton, Alberta for crying out loud. I'm nice, I promise. Yeah, she can't <laughs> come and tackle you. She's in, you know, he's not even allowed to cross the border. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, Chris. I really appreciate it. And I honestly, I think the thing is that like when you are super passionate about something, that's it really is like what matters. I know it's cliche, but I do think I do believe that. And I think that's how you know, no matter what industry you're in, apply that because it it makes a huge difference. So thank you for your kind words. I want to close out with talking about something that you briefly mentioned earlier during this interview, and that is gratitude. So what can you say to anyone that's listening on like the power of gratitude when it comes to personal development? Because I know when we think about the term development, it's like the next thing, right? And like moving to the next place, which is important. But yeah, can you just talk about about the power of gratitude and, and being where you are a little bit? Yeah, and I might be a good person to talk about this because I'm pretty cynical 
right. as a, you know, my first glance at something is, mm, I don't know. You know? <laughs> I'm scared now. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I, I once had a friend, you know, who I just know him well. And so he's an intellectual self-proclaimed atheist who prayed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would say to him, Dave, why do you pray? You know, out of interest to why he prays being a self-proclaimed atheist, right? Right. And he said, because for some reason, when I pray, it works. And it wasn't that he was like praying for a brand new car to show up and it showed right. up. But he knew the act of acknowledging that he was, there was something bigger than him was mm -hmm. helpful in his life. Okay. So he prayed out of what I think of as pure faith, mm -hmm. not believing and not knowing that anything is there and really yeah. not believing it. I mean, he was, you know, he was quite intelligent and like it was hard for him to conceptualize anything outside of it but he knew right. the act itself was effective something for him right so gr that's where i stand with gratitude right you know i have a hard time sometimes when i hear somebody say you should have gratitude mm -hmm. i'm saying this because i also believe a lot of hairstylists are cynical yeah right? I, totally right like yeah. we're standing there behind the chair going you know yeah you know like you know I think it's like industry specific too, because like, I think we've so often heard like, oh, you should just like, you know, like even from like yes. crappy clients or something like, oh, you should just be grateful that like you, right. know, you have yes. clients and stuff. So I think there's yes. like that, that kind of like tinge to it too. So now with that, with what you just said exactly, because that's where a lot of people really are, you know, or they've tried things and it just hasn't worked. And I mean, I'll, I'm going to take it maybe to you know, sometimes I take places in weird places, but like <laughs> for the most part, every single one of us eats better than any king or queen a hundred years ago. Yeah. We drive better vehicles than President John Kennedy did in the 60s. Mm -hmm. All of us. Kia is yep. better than the Lincoln Continental that they were, you know, taking back and forth. The air yep. condition works better. The, the, you know, the ride is smoother. Your radio has digital satellite coming to it. Like you are really already wealthy. Right. Now you might not have the money that you wish you had. Mm -hmm. You, you might be living paycheck to paycheck right now. But so the fact of the matter is if you could see how lucky you really are yeah. and then start from there. You're good, you know, yeah. and I mean, there's a lot of, you know, Eckhart Tolle talks about like, look, look around. If you're, if I'm, I'm sitting here in a quiet room right now, I'm safe no matter what, right? Like you're in a safe space right now. As a hairstylist, you can, you can work anywhere. So if you can't look at that with some kind of gratitude, you know, you're just simply looking at it wrong. Yeah. And you can look for the downside in any situation. And in that same breath you can look for the positive and it's not about having to be happy all the time but it's about no having a fundamental appreciation i think and the the hairstylists that are listening to this podcast i feel very confident in saying that you're here because you are invested in your career and you care about it right if you're a stylist that doesn't care about your career, you're just in it to like, you know, make a little bit of money and move on, then you're not here listening to this podcast. So I think mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. really important to to think about like 
you obviously care about your career and you've created something and you're making money doing something that you're passionate about. And that, like for me, that feels like the greatest blessing. And my dad, actually, when I was like 13 or 14, my mom's a hairstylist as well. And one of the pieces of advice that my dad gave me, he's a very like, like he's very much like, don't take risks. Like he's given me a lot of advice in terms of like trying to keep me safe, right? He's pragmatic. Exactly. But one of the things, and I've ignored it largely, and hence where I sure, today. Of course. But, of course. Of course. However, one of the things he said when I was a teenager was like, if you find something that you love, then you will find a way to make mm-hmm. it pay. And it might not happen right away, but he's like, if you actually are in a career that you love, go yeah. into something that you love and you'll find a way to make it pay, which has proven to be absolutely true. Yeah. No, a thousand percent. If you're creative and resourceful, yeah, there's a million, you know, there are millions of people that, again, go to jobs they don't like on a daily, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you know, outside of the industry. I spend a large part of my like time and energy just talking to people about like, again, you have other choices, right? You know, and that's a part of gratitude is knowing like, look, I, I'm choosing this. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I'm going to go to work today. It's yeah. I'm a little more tired than another day or, I, you know, maybe it was hard. Maybe the kids were sick last night and we were awake yeah. or whatever it is. But like, I chose this. Yeah, that's, that's my so choice. true. I love that. Oh, well, thank you for sharing everything that we've talked about today has been so inspiring. I feel lit up after this conversation and I know that my listeners will, too. So where can they go to connect with you or find out more about you? Yeah. So I've completely changed my branding, but I'm still on Instagram at Chris Sulame. It's just C-H-R-I-S-S-U-L-I-M-A-Y. And I'm, you know, I'm really, I'm not going to look like a hairdresser. You know, you won't be able to scroll back and find too much of my hair life in in a little while because I'm, you know, really going towards number one, my thought leadership and, you know, just being lucky enough to go through that time of real, you know, kind of deep, dark depression and walk out of it and having some realizations around that. Yeah. You know, personal development has become a hot topic for me. Yeah. And then I'm just starting to TikTok. I've been doing that for a little while and it's very Ooh. similar Ram content. Yeah, it's not, you know, I'm not dancing, uh, you yeah. know, a very little pointing to words. You might tell me right. I should do more of that. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm not just, even on TikTok. I, so you're being yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I just like to talk, you know, and yeah. I mean, you know, my thoughts come out through my mouth. Yeah. And that's so that's, you know, for better or worse, that's the way I'm delivering it. Yeah. And that TikTok I- is at Chris Solome 13. Perfect. And I love, I always talk on the podcast about how you should be curating your scroll to be a source of inspiration, not comparison. And I think that the content that you share is absolutely perfect for that because you definitely kind of challenge some conventional thinking and it's very inspirational and insightful. So I love what you're bringing to the industry and to the world at large, Chris. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in to another episode of the Hairstylist Rising podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Be sure to check out our show notes for all of the links mentioned in today's episode. And if you want to get in touch with me and let me know what you're thinking, what you'd like to see on the podcast, or just share your favorite episode, send me a DM over on Instagram, either at Hairstylist Rising or at It's Jody Brown. I am so excited to see you back here, same place, same time next week. And until then, I am Jody Brown. I am your host and I'm signing off now. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast and we'll see you next week.